0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stripe Hype Podcast. I am your host and editor, Travis Steffen, and today I'm bringing on Jack Lane, one of our writers over at Stripe Hype, and we're going to talk about what the offense is going to do, what the expectations should be in 2018. So let's get right into that. And once again, I'm sorry for the week of no podcast, but we are going to be a lot more frequent uh, in the next coming weeks. So make sure to hit that subscribe button, but let's get right down to the offense. All right, I got Jacqueline with me here today, and I want to talk to you about this over or under with, uh, you know, the Vegas put out a over or under for each team on what they'll do this coming season, and the Bengals got 6.5 over or under. How do you feel about that?
1: I mean, I feel like 6.5 is just a joke number when you look at what the Bengals are going to do next year. Obviously, we haven't made the playoffs the last two years but at the same time, this is a team that has a lot of the core pieces of the teams that were really good in the early 2010s. And even the last two seasons, when we haven't been good. It's been a lot of injuries, and we still haven't finished that poorly. Our worst season was, what, 5-10-1. Last year was 7-9. and nine. So even if you look at last season as a failed season, we're still going to finish above that 6.5 number. And I don't know. I just don't see any reasonable way this team with most of it with most of its pieces back finishes with less than seven wins even if we're bad
0: and that's exactly how I feel I feel that you know you look at last year and I think a lot of it had to do like you said with injuries and then inconsistencies um you know the offensive line played poor uh Andy Dalton was all over the place you know you, you look at you know, some games he would almost get those playoff hopes back into fans' minds, mm-hmm. and and then the next game he'll just completely throw four interceptions. And but I think that if you look at it, you know, you got uh, Tyler Eifert coming back. Um, you know, who knows if he'll be able to stay healthy for a full season? But you got John Ross, who is healthy for the first time, and who I think is going to have a breakout year. And you got all these new pieces with Bill Lazor's new playbook. Uh, you got new offensive linemen. I think that offensive line is going to make a huge jump forward. You know, uh, Pro Football Focus rated them, I think it was 28th in the league with 158 pressures on Dalton. And there's no way that that's going to happen again. I I cannot see that offensive line getting worse. With the addition of Billy Price, you know, I get the fact that offensive linemen are not as – Pro ready coming out of college anymore because of the offense in college is so different and you got to teach them those fundamentals again. But at the same time, when you look at who he's replacing, I will take a fourth round center and that would be an upgrade for me. And then you add Cordy Glenn, a left tackle. I mean, that's a giant increase. And so I think that with Frank Pollock as the offensive court or offensive. Line coach, I think we see a huge increase on this offensive line. And with that being said, I don't see how this team could be worse than it was last year. I know that the playbook ticked me off at times. You know, like it was very uh, vanilla. I guess is the mm-hmm. word. Uh, I can't think of a better word for it. But you know, it, it wasn't exciting. It wasn't uh, catching defenses off guard. They knew what they were doing. You had the run game was. Nowhere to be found. They they ran the ball, I think, for the 29th lowest out of all the teams. And, yeah, it was it
1: was near the bottom.
0: Right, and and so if you're trying to get anything going, I don't understand why you're you're not trying to give Joe Mixon the ball more, which we should see this year. And on that note, they need to use them to their strengths. You can't be treating Joe Mixon like Jeremy Hill and having him run behind a fullback. You know that's mm-hmm. not that's not what's going to work with him. So. I absolutely cannot see how this team could be worse than last year. And they had Our seven wins, that wins
1: Seven and nine.
0: Right. So yeah. I, I think that's just absolutely ridiculous. I understand that there's red flags, but I don't see how it could be worse than last season.
1: No, I'm 100% in agreement with you. I mean, you start with the offensive line, you look at the run game, something that's going to bring us back to the identity we had in the early 2010s when we were really balanced between the rush and the pass. I think... the addition of Cordy Glenn solidifying that uh, left tackle position something we haven't had since Andrew Whitworth bringing in Billy Price to actually give us a real center not just a gaping hole in Russell Bodine in the middle that offensive line is going to be so much more stable than has been the last two seasons and then with the development of Joe Mixon with the consistency of Giovanni Bernard hopefully with a little bit of excitement from Mark Walton that run game is going to come back to where it is and then exactly with Dalton I mean Bill Lazor should actually give him a system similar to Hugh Jackson's, something where he's actually going to be able to thrive, get a lot of different weapons involved, especially out of the backfield with Nixon, Walton, Bernard, all being able to catch the ball. I think this offense should take a huge step forward next year. And obviously if we're taking a step forward from seven and nine, we're going to be a way above the six and a half number.
0: I agree. And I think that, I think that a lot of it is going to come down to Andy Dalton because they've talked over the offseason about Bill Lazor's offense not only attacking downfield quickly and putting up points fast to basically give the defense some relief, which is something that we never saw last year. The defense had to carry this team. But something that he's wanting to instill in this offense is the RPOs, your run-pass option, and that's going to come down to Dalton. He's going to be happy have to be able to make those reads and if he can successfully do it you know dalton's not the most athletic guy or the best runner as a quarterback but i definitely see you know him being enough of a threat to make pass rushers you know pause and wait for to see what he's going to do and i think you know a mixture of that and then like you said bringing the running backs out of the backfield for passes i think that this offense I'm not going to say that i'm expecting for you know this offense to be some spectacular juggernaut or anything like that but i definitely think that you know they should be in the top 15 and if you can get this offense into the top 15 of the league with even just the defense that we had last year this is a playoff team
1: yeah i i i can't disagree with any of that and if what I really hope for Dalton is that we kind of get back to the we kind of developed weapons similar to the weapons we had when we had Sanu and Marvin Jones operating opposite A.J. Green, because obviously A.J. Green is going to continue to be a pillar of consistency on this team. But since uh, that fateful offseason when Sanu and Jones walked, we just haven't had anybody really opposite A.J. Green. And now we've put a lot of draft capital into Tyler Boyd, into John Ross. We uh, signed Brandon LaFell to an extension. I hope at least one of those guys is going to step up opposite A.J. Green. I'd be shocked if at least one of them didn't kind of step into that wide receiver two role. And honestly, I hope it's going to be Ross. I liked him coming out of college. If he's actually fully healthy, we're going to see him with that 4-2 speed on the field really taking defenders away from the middle of the field where A.J. Green, Tyler Eifert, and Mixon and Bernard can operate really open up a lot of space for these guys to work. I
0: completely agree. I'm, I'm one of the people that I think they should cut ties with Brandon LaFell. Honestly, I think that he's an hmm. average receiver. He's 34 years old. He's not a guy that's going to take, um, defenders away from, uh, AJ green or Tyler Eifert or anybody else. You know, we saw last year when, it was just A.J. Green and LaFell. Nobody, nobody doubled up on LaFell. It's nobody stacked now. over him. And without Tyler Eifert on the field, you would think that he would be getting more production. When he actually fell off last year, and I think like what you said with, you know, the draft capital that they have instilled in this offensive playmakers. You know, with John Ross, first-round pick last year, with Tyler Boyd, a second-round pick the year before. I don't understand why we are not giving Tyler Boyd and John Ross those second and third reps. Like, those should be your second and third guys. You know, you you put the draft capital to bringing those guys in, give them their opportunity. You know, I I think that Tyler Boyd showed that he is enough to be a third receiver. And, you know, I definitely have full confidence in John Ross after this offseason, you know, coming in healthy working out with uh, Juju Smith, working out with TJ Houshmandzada, and he's actually going back to work with Houshmandzada in June. So, Hmm. and everything they've talked about is getting his confidence back up. Last year, it, you know, all of the noise, you know, being a top 10 pick, and then um, him being injured, not living up to the top 10 pick, that really got into his head. And, you know, he talked about that with, you know, at camp right now, how... AJ Green and Brandon LaFell have pulled him aside and told him, Quit thinking about it and just do it. You know, we can we can tell when when you're thinking about everything that you're doing and you're you do better when you just don't think about it and just go out there and do it. So I think a lot of it is just getting that confidence back in him and if there's anybody that can do that, it's Husmanzada, like one of the most confident guys you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. And he even said that in the interview. So if he can drown out the noise and just focus, I think this kid could go a long way.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you on Ross. Um, I love the idea of him being I guess it's kind of a fancy football word, but like as a post hype sleeper. He came into the draft last year, super highly touted, kinda had a had a terrible year, but the potential's still there, the skills are still there, the speed is definitely still there. If he's mentally there, if he's uh if he's physically fully healthy, I mean, he doesn't even have to catch the ball to make an impact on the field. I probably disagree with you on LaFell. Um, I, just, I don't think that we should cut him just because I don't think his salary cap impact is going to be that bad. We still have $19 million in space left over, and his hit is only about $4 million. So there's, I don't think we're really freeing anything up by cutting him. But at the same time, he's not a difference maker for this team. He's more reliable as of right now, but moving forward, you're, you're looking at Green, Ross, and Boyd as the core tenants of this wide receiver unit. LaFell, LaFell's not going to be that guy, but at least for the time being, I don't mind him being a second veteran presence.
0: And I get that. I think I think the $19 million is before the rookies sign their contracts. I think wow, whenever oh, I was looking true, at it, you know? they're going to be around $10 million once the rookies... Uh, signed all their contracts, but I, I I get it, and I get why you would keep him because you know what what big contract are you going to go out and try and find this late in the year? Anyone you're trying to sign this late in the off season, it's going to be on a one year deal, and it's going to be a small mm-hmm. contract because this player is going to want to prove it so that he can get a big contract the following off season. So I get that. You know, you got 10 million, you want to leave about five million for. You know, in case of injuries throughout the season, you got to bring a guy in on an emergency deal. Um, five million is definitely still able to grab a piece. And I, I, honestly, I, I still think, that, you know, I'd have to look at who's still available in free agency, but I guarantee there's someone out there that could, you know, for five million dollars or less, still improve this team, whether it be on offense or defense.
1: Yeah, no, I know there's definitely a little bit of guard depth still available and. I mean some of those guys like other brand name like Jari Evans is still out there and he might command a little bit more in that figure and if you had to cut LaFell to get a guy like that in it'd be understandable but at the same time even with even with 10 million I I don't see how we fill that before the season starts.
0: And that's fine. I would only I would only cut LaFell if they had to, you know, basically make some uh, money available to sign somebody this late in the offseason if you can't find anybody this late, obviously there's no reason to cut them but um, i definitely think that you know week one you should be seeing ross and Boyd as your second and third receivers you know we know what LaFell is let's find out what these guys that you spent high capital draft picks on see what they can do with a real opportunity. see what they can do when Tyler Eifert is on the field. You know, I, and in this new offense, mm-hmm. you know, I, I completely expect it to be a lot better than last year. I mean, I don't think I've really seen anything worse than last year. Especially, you know, it was, it oh, was the,
1: the, the offense can't get worse.
0: Yeah, it, you know, last year was the was a franchise record for worst rushing game. I mean, it was absolutely mm-hmm. miserable to watch, and it's so frustrating when you got a guy. You know, even when you had Jeremy Hill, like you know, they they pretty much brought him out first drive of the game and then right after half. And that was it, the, basically two drives a game. And then you but even even with Jeremy Hill on the roster, you you got Hill, you got Bernard, you got Mixon. That's a talented backfield. Explain to me why we are only running the ball, you know, 29th in the league in rushing attempts. You know, I get that the offensive line is not good, but I have seen great running backs and I'm not saying that any of those are great they have the possibility to be great. Mixon has, absolutely has the possibility to be great at some point. But you're, I've seen running backs make it work with poor offensive line play. You know, we, we saw it from Marshawn Lynch in Seattle. We saw it from Jamal Charles in Kansas City. Both of those lines were absolutely awful. You know, Seattle has one of the worst lines every year, yet they're still doing it. They're still running mm-hmm. the ball. So I absolutely want to see more run game, and I think that this is going to be a year for not only John Ross, but Joe Mixon. That, I think that he's going to have an absolutely stellar year.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting that you bring up Seattle and Kansas City as two teams that had good running backs with bad offensive lines because those are both two teams that obviously in recent years have had pretty mobile quarterbacks, mm-hmm. quarterbacks that – are at least a threat to run the ball, especially in Russell Wilson, who's among the league leaders in rushing yards. And I'm, as you mentioned earlier, with the uh, run-pass options. I think that has to be something that comes back at the when the Bengals were peaking, 2014-2015 seasons. That was when Andy Dalton was running his most. And I think when that threat is there, even if it's just a couple times a game, it, it just throws the defense off just a little bit more, gives those guys just the ever so slight more crease that they need to hit the hole, get into the second get into the second level, and get bigger runs. So I guess the question I'd pitch back to you is so we've been very on top of this line as being over six and a half. What would have to happen to this team, this offense, to go under six and a half?
0: Tyler Eifert out for the year week two. Uh, John, almost, John almost Ross lost. out week two, Mixon out week two, <laughs> Glenn out week. Two. I mean, all these guys. I mean, it 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 blows my mind. You know, you you look at the look at the look at the schedule. It's not a hard mm-hmm. schedule. Yes, the Ravens I think are going to be better this year. The Steelers, who knows? It it, it could be boomer bust for the Steelers. I think that it'll either be a really good year or really bad year. It all depends on, on Roethlisberger and Bell. And so, I. but outside of those two teams, I don't see a ton of games that I'm just like, ooh, you know, there, there's a couple of them, but yeah. there's, there's definitely not enough to make me think that this team can't win six and a half games.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly, I mean, like if we had the absolute worst injury play hit us, then I guess, but... I mean we just have to get the worst luck. The, you're right. You're exactly right that the schedule sets up really nicely for us by virtue of having a pretty poor year last year. We get to play a lot of easy teams. I want to say we have the eighth easiest schedule in the NFL just cuz we get to beat up on all the third place teams in the AFC. So, we sh- we should be able to with the growth we've had this year on the offense we should be able to beat up on all these easier teams that are on our schedule and at least get seven wins.
0: Right. You you know the defense is going to still be there. You know, you, you kept all your core players. You know, Adam Jones, whatever, whatever you want to – however you feel about that. He's getting older. I didn't think he was that good the last two years. I think he fell off in both years before going down with an injury last year. But you have three solid cornerbacks. Yes, I think Kirkpatrick is a solid cornerback. And we'll get to that in the next episode when it comes to defense. But mm-hmm. you – you have your defense that you had last year with upgrades, with yeah. more depth. This defense is going to be, if not better, than the same as they were last year. Yeah. And that defense carried this team. A team that's offense was ranked last in yards per game. If, if you can even get inside the 20s of yards per game, this is a playoff team. So I, I unless unless the or unless the Bengals have the Chargers luck, you know the Los Angeles Chargers have ridiculous amount of injuries every single year, especially on the offensive line. I mean, somebody needs to go in there and completely fire all of their conditioning coaches because oh every there's single something, there's something year, going. Oh yeah, every single year you have major injuries. Keenan Allen's getting hurt. Uh, every time they try and draft new linemen, they're getting hurt. You know, I feel bad mm-hmm. for Phillip Rivers because he's never had any protection or anything around him. You know, and no. I think I think that if he had a better offensive line, he could take them far into the playoffs. But every year there's injuries along the line. Last year they drafted Forrest Lamp. Didn't play. And Dan Feeney. Yep.
1: Neither of them. Neither of them got on the field. It's
0: I mean crazy. it's it's insane. So you would have to have that kind of luck or bad luck to not hit six and five, let alone less so I think I think that's absolutely out of the question I mean I think if anyone betting for less than six and a half you you obviously have never watched a Bengals game or kept up this offseason because there's no way they're going under six and a half
1: no I, I I would be stunned it would it would be it would make me question my fanship to this team if we if we stayed healthy and somehow finished under six and a half.
0: And the problem with that is is, you know, like we were talking earlier, if this team has potential to go to the playoffs and win a playoff game finally. Yeah. In the first time in the Marvin Lewis area. But if they don't go to the playoffs, you know it's gonna be another seven and nine season you know enough to keep mm-hmm. you out of those top 10 picks which is extremely frustrating. And my my question for you is if the Bengals do not make the playoffs and they have another 7-9 season is Marvin Lewis still here if he knocks out a divisional opponent in week 17? Especially <sighs> that being the Steelers in week 17.
1: So if we have like if we have another mediocre season mm-hmm. but we like beat up on the Steelers week 17.
0: And knock them out of the playoffs.
1: Marvin. Wow, that's, that's a tough question, but I'd be, I'd be inclined to say no, not this year. I think last year we saw the patience of both Marvin and the ownership get tested. I mean, you saw reports coming out near the end of the season that we, we were done, Marvin was done, we were going to part ways. And just that la- those last couple wins kept us along. I think if we get to this point, again, we have another repeat of last year, especially with all the additions we've made. I'd be surprised. I think it would be the end of the Marvin Lewis era. I honestly think it would probably be the end of the Andy Dalton era. This team is pretty much built to be playoff or bust just with the amount of frustration that's been building up over the last few years. I think they're good. I think this team can get to the playoffs in fact i think i i dare to say we will get to the playoffs but if we don't then that disappointment i think we'll actually put marvin lewis over the edge and maybe andy dalton
0: i would hope so honestly but my 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 thing with andy dalton though you have a lot of players on this team that are getting around the age of 30 and especially some of your top talent um mm-hmm. And you you look at guys like AJ Green, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap. You look at guys like that. And, you know, especially Atkins and Dunlap, if they don't get an extension this offseason, you know, before the week one game, you have to wonder if those guys are going to stick around if we go into a rebuild. I mean, you would have to pay them top premium dollar because these guys have never even won a playoff game. So, Mm-hmm. If if they don't make the playoffs this year, they decide to scrap Marvin Lewis, they decide to scrap Andy Dalton, you know, draft a quarterback next year. I don't, I don't know that you keep AJ Green, or, or or the other two guys. I I really don't. I I think that, you know, if you're gonna start over with a new quarterback, honestly, I think you should trade AJ Green because and find a couple you know, pieces because I can't see A.J. Green wanting to stay here if we're starting over. You know, he's he's only got so much time in the league. Atkins and Dunlap are the same way. They only got so much time, and they have a very small window to win a championship. And if they completely start over next offseason, which that's what it would be doing if you're getting rid of Dalton and Marvin Lewis, I can't see those guys making the team next year.
1: Yeah, I I think it would be really interesting to see what we do if we had another one of these mediocre, middle-of-the-line seasons where we don't make the playoffs, but we're still getting enough wins. Because the interesting thing with getting rid of Dalton, because obviously the money would work. His contract, he's got two more years following this season, but we'd have no problems cutting him because his dead cap is basically zero. The only problem is... So we had the ability to draft Lamar Jackson this year. We passed on Lamar Jackson. We took Billy Price, bolstered that offensive line. Offensive line looks great. Running game looks like it's going to be great. Great pick. But passing on Lamar Jackson, a Heisman winner, maybe the most dynamic dual-threat quarterback we've seen since Michael Vick. The quarterback class next year looks pretty bad. Like You look through that li- the list of guys who are near the top of the quarterback rankings. I don't even know if there's a reliable franchise quarterback in that group. Looking at this draft, you were looking at five guys. Maybe you think Mason Rudolph was a franchise quarterback, so that would be six guys. I like that class next year. I see I don't know, Drew Locke from Missouri no, might be the best. Not. and He's he might be the best guy in the class. DeAndre Francois is just knockoff Jameis from Florida State. Justin Herbert is knockoff Marcus Mariota from Oregon. It'd be hard to stomach a rebuild with this team, but then again, more disappointment with, especially with the improvements we've made. I, We have, we'd have to start over sometime.
0: See, I think that If there's another bad year, I do not think that it will be the end of Andy Dalton. I think that it might be the end of Marvin Lewis. But with the pieces they have on this team right now, this team has a team, a roster that can go far into the playoffs.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, things have to go right. You know, all these injury possibilities can't happen. You know, one or two maybe, but you can't have a ton of injuries, obviously. But I think that... Andy Dalton would stick around. You know, Andy Dalton is on a very team friendly contract right now. You know, 16 million is not much for a quarterback. You know, you got quarterbacks signing for 30 million a year right now. Yeah. How much better
1: is Kirk cousins than Andy Dalton?
0: Right. And I look at, I, I, I tend to compare Andy Dalton a little bit with Alex Smith. You know, I I've covered the chiefs as well. And, I see a lot of similarities with them neither of them are great neither of them are garbage they're both above average quarterbacks with limitations especially when it comes to uh the deep ball and they both need playmakers around them and you know last season we saw alex smith have a fantastic year until they got to the playoffs, and there was some inconsistencies midway through the season but Alex Smith, if he has the playmakers around him, he has a decent line. He can be a very a good quarterback. Not, not elite, not your Bradys, your Rodgers, or anything like that. But he can definitely take you far into the playoffs. I think Andy Dalton's that same way. And while Andy Dalton is not as athletic or fast when it comes to the run game as Alex Smith, I think he can be enough of a threat to make these RPOs run smoothly if he can, you know, re- read the defense right before the snap. But I think that Andy Dalton would get another chance in 2019 with a new coach, new system. Um, but I do think it would be the end of the Marvin Lewis area. So to finish yeah. up, I want to ask you, what is your hot take for the offense? <sighs>
1: got a lot of thoughts on that, but if I did say one thing in particular, I think that it's going to be, it's going to, this offense is going to come down to Tyler Eifert. I think Tyler Eifert is going to be a big difference maker for this team. We drafted him in the first round, 2013, his first couple of years in the league. He was amazing in the red zone. He looked like he was going to be one of the future stars of this passing game. And just the last couple of years, he's been derailed by injuries. Last season, he basically didn't play. He's been recovering for more than a year now. I think he's finally fully healthy. I think this is going to be the year that Tyler Eifert can actually put together a full or near full season. And if he's going to be playing, let's say, over 12 games, he's going to lead the team in touchdowns. That's my take. I think Tyler Eifert's going to lead the Bengals in touchdowns this year. Obviously, A.J. Green's a great red zone weapon. I think they're going to get the ball to Mixon a lot. Especially around the red zone, but Eifert is a difference maker bet- inside the twenty. And if he's going to be able to play that many games next year, he's catching at least eight touchdowns, and double digit touchdowns would not be hard to fathom.
0: I completely agree. Uh, I think that if honestly, if Tyler Eifert, you know, especially you look back at what he did in 2015, and if he could stay healthy and get back to that that production that he had in 2015 you're you're talking about a guy that's you know gonna be competing with some of the best tight ends in the league with your Rob Gronkowskis even though I think he's kind of falling off because of his injuries or your yeah. Travis Kelseys or your Zach Ertz you're going to have him in that mixture of a conversation. And I absolutely could see if he stays healthy, I think he goes over a thousand yards with double digit touchdowns.
1: Yeah. Uh, And that's the thing that John Ross is going to help with a lot. If you're dealing with John Ross down the sideline, you're leaving the middle of the field wide open and Tyler Eifert can eat you up in the middle of the field. And I think that part of his game has kind of yet to be fully taken advantage of by the Bengals. And if we can finally get that part of his game going too between the twenties, I mean, He's a dangerous weapon.
0: And I, th- I think that Tyler Eifert is Andy Dalton's safety blanket over the middle. I think that if, you know, we, we don't see, we don't see Dalton at least succeed along the sideline or on the boundaries, but at least in the deep ball, you know, very yep. often. But when it comes to over the middle, Tyler Eifert is that safety blanket. And if he stays healthy, I think Andy Dalton has a great season. Um, for me, my hot take, I think that we're going to see Joe Mixon go over 1,400 yards from scrimmage. You know, between rushing, you know, getting more rushing attempts this year and then with the RPOs and coming out of the backfield, I think he has a absolutely just blowout year. Um, and it's, it's not hard to really expect that either. You know, you look at last year, he had 626 yards on limited carries. He had... Uh, I think it was two hundred, no, two or four hundred. I can't, I can't remember what his passing yards were, but we know he can be a, um, a, a deep threat. Even you know you could t- he has the speed to go you know move into the slot. Yeah. He he has the speed and athleticism to make plays in the open. And with how it's sounding coming out you know in the media on how Bill Laser's offense is going to be, it's going to be more spread out, which gives Mixon more opportunities to have wide open field to run. And so, you know, you give him, I'd say, 850 yards. I don't even know that he breaks 1,000 yards rushing. 850 yards rushing and then the rest be receiving, I definitely see it happening. I think that he is going to have a breakout year and I don't, I don't believe in this sophomore slump stuff. I think that with actual offensive linemen and, you know, Billy Price, that's his biggest strength is the run game is opening up holes in the middle and moving defensive tackles out of the way. I think that, you know, between the line, between the passing game, and actually getting more opportunities, I think there's – I think he should easily have 1,400 yards from scrimmage in 2018.
1: I could definitely see that happening. I mean, coming out of the draft last year, Mixon was arguably the most talented back in the class. And, I mean, that was a class with Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook – so we're dealing with like really great backs and Mixon was right up there with them talent wise i still have my reservations about Mixon just because the efficiency last year was down um, he didn't run quite as powerfully as i thought he could have but like you said the offensive lines improved he's going to have a second year of development the sophomore slump it's not a real thing and i if he can recognize his potential behind this line I think you're right. I think 1,400 yards is—he can easily break that. And I think a thousand yards on the ground, honestly, isn't that much of a stretch, given that he should really be a bell cow for this team.
0: Well, and that'd be the first 1,000 yard rusher since Jeremy Hill's rookie season.
1: <laughs> I mean, this guy remind—what this, this guy can do reminds me a lot of what Jeremy Hill flashed his rookie year.
0: I completely agree. All right, guys, that's where we're going to end it for today. We're going to talk about defense in the next episode, so make sure you check that out. Um, and if you guys have any stuff you want to add to the offensive side or what you think about this offseason, let us know. You can find us at Stripe Hype on Twitter and Facebook. You can find both of us on Twitter. So let, get get those questions in, get those, uh, I guess, what you think. What What are your hot takes? That's what I really want to know. I'm going to put a pull out on twitter tomorrow about that I want, I want to know what everybody's hot takes are for this season but we're going to wrap it up for today and we will talk about defense next time so we'll talk to you guys later thanks again for joining us on this episode of the stripe pipe podcast make sure you follow us on twitter and facebook at stripe pipe you can also find me at Stefan nfl on twitter and if you don't use twitter or you need another source to get a hold of me you can get a hold of me through email at stefannfl at gmail.com make sure to let us know what you guys want to hear about and next time we will be talking about the defense so keep tuned hit that subscribe button and maybe even a five-star rating if you're feeling generous but let us know what we can work on and what you guys want to hear talk to you guys next time